0: Uh, welcome to Mosaic, everyone. We're we're really glad that you're here. And well, um, I would just really like to thank our worship team for leading us in those songs. For Carissa um, guiding us into that prayer. Um, Chris actually took time this week and wrote that prayer for us, which uh, which was beautiful. So, um, isn't it good to be together, man? I was just I was sharing with our setup crew this morning, like. When we gather together like this, this is maybe like the only place in the world or one of the few places in the world when the church gathers together like this. And when it's a healthy church, which I really believe Mosaic is. Mosaic's a healthy church. This is one of the few places in the world where we can gather, and everybody here is for everybody else, right? I mean, none of us are trying to control each other. None of us are trying to manipulate each other. There's no power games going on. And that can happen in some other churches. But I'm telling you, um, as the pastor here, if that stuff even starts to happen in the littlest way, we will call you out, all right? <laughs> and, and if you ever see it coming from me, call me out, all right? I give you permission. Call me out. Um, because this is one of the few places that we can actually, like, come into a space with others. And, yeah, there's none of those games going on. We're all for each other. And we're with one another, And Jesus is with us here, and he's for us, right? He's for us, and together we're taking steps forward, right? And some of those steps are incredibly exciting steps to take, and some of those steps are really hard steps to take, Uh, but we're doing it. And we've been talking, guys, as we've moved throughout Lent, um, a season in the church calendar that leads us along that path where Jesus is ultimately going to take us to the cross, right? That this is what his kingdom looks like. No one saw this coming. Nobody saw this messianic kingdom leading to the cross. You know, hold on a second here. This is, this is God in the flesh. Jesus is showing us what God is like, and God is going to end up on a cross. Nobody saw that coming, but yet through that, through that, that apparent weakness, through that fragile God displaying this kind of life, through that death, um, new life comes and new possibility is born. So we're, we're talking about this kingdom that Jesus began to um, kind of unveil for us. And we're saying, what, what does this kingdom look like? And, and Jesus, give us a vision for this kind of kingdom because we want our individual lives but also our corporate life together to embody this kind of, of vision that you gave us, Jesus. And so this morning in particular, we want to talk about a, a kingdom of joy. That Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom of joy. And sometimes joy comes real easy, right? Right? Sometimes, and I'm not talking about, like, just a fleeting pursuit of happiness. I'm talking about a deep sense of abiding joy that, like, there are good and beautiful things in the world, even if things necessarily aren't going my way all the time. Like, what does it mean to live from that place? And so sometimes joy, like, things just happen. It's like, yeah, this is good. Um, But other times, joy can be very elusive, Joy can be very hard to come by. And I would venture to guess that a lot of us here in this space this morning, we would say that deep in like the, the deep places of our soul, um, we might feel joyless. Especially in those, in those spaces where we feel weak and fragile, but this morning, more than anything, what I hope that you hear this morning and what I hope that you walk away with is that it is because of this weak and fragile state of your life, whatever that looks like for you right now, that it's, it's because of that weak and fragile state, not despite it that God is able to give you a deep sense of abiding joy and do something in that place and you are able to share something incredibly meaningful with the world. Okay, I I hope that you get that. That because of the fragile weakness, whatever it is that you're experiencing right now, that that's the very place that God wants to bring his work of joy and, and somehow you're going to share that with the world around you. Archbis- Archbishop Desmond Tutu, he had this quote here. You'll see it on the screen. We are fragile creatures, and it is from this weakness, not despite it, that we discover the possibility of true joy. The older I get, the, the more seasons I live. I'm, I'm trying to really pay attention um, to voices of people who have, like, weathered storms, I don't really have a desire to listen to the newest voice on the scene anymore. I'm just finding there's incredible wisdom in listening to the voices who have weathered the storms. Uh, Voices of indigenous peoples. um, Voices of those who have lived on the fringes. Which I might be working myself out of a job because I'm not one of those people. And so in a sense, I might be telling you, don't pay such close attention to me. But I'm trying to pay close attention to those people and I hope that somehow as I'm paying close attention to those people that, that somehow that voice comes through to us. And I hope that all of us can maybe pay a little bit more attention to, to who are those voices around us. And so Archbishop Desmond Tutu from South Africa, um, his work with anti-apartheid, I mean just, you know, this guy is, has experienced suffering, experienced hardship. He's lived many years. He's weathered many storms. But I mean just just sit with that, that we're fragile creatures and it is from this weakness not despite it, that we discover the possibility of true joy. So how's your joy this morning, Mosaic? How's your joy? We we need to see how joy arrives, and we need to see how we keep from joy, how we keep joy from abiding in us. Um, If you're gonna go to, uh, if you're gonna hop on the Hogwarts Express, Uh, you have to go to platform nine and three quarters. But platform nine and three quarters is a problem because platform nine and three quarters is a brick wall. So joy works in that same way. I mean, if if we truly want to experience a deep abiding sense of joy, we're going to have to walk into some brick walls that we don't want to walk into. And we're going to have to trust that by walking into those brick walls that somehow we're going to make it through it and somehow God is going to meet us in the deepest part of our soul and give us this joy that ultimately comes from him. All right. So this morning, like, what, what is that brick wall that's staring you in the face right now? And you're like, there's no way to walk through this brick wall. This, this brick wall is in my way. How am I supposed to do this? And, and like it's just, it's, it's stirring in your head. It's stirring in your heart, deep in your gut. And, and it's hard to have a true sense of abiding joy because that brick wall is all you see. But what I'm telling us, guys, is, is let's do this. Let's walk right through this brick wall. Let's feel every experience of it. But let's believe that somehow joy can meet us in that place because this is how the kingdom of Jesus works. So first let's talk about keeping joy at a distance because it's real easy to keep joy at a distance. Um, in Luke chapter 15, uh, Jesus tells the story of um, a prodigal son, a lost son. There's, uh, there's two brothers. There's a younger brother who um, he really disgraced his father, said, Dad, give me your inheritance now. Give me my inheritance now, which in a sense is saying, Dad, I just wish you were dead. And he takes his dad's money and he just kind of runs and he goes and he spends it and he lives a, a wild life doing his own thing and he reaches this point and he's like, man, the pigs have it better off than me. Uh, and he comes back home and, and the father sees his son still from a long way off and the father goes to meet him and, and embraces him and is, you know, yes, welcome home. I've been waiting for you. I've longed for this. And Jesus is really telling us like this is what God's love is like, you know, that that we can go and just kind of do our own thing off in a distant land, but the the moment we come back, like God's love comes and, and embraces us and meets us there, and the Father you know kills a fattened calf and invites all kinds of people to come join the party, and this is where the story picks up, Luke chapter fifteen verses twenty eight through thirty two, so that's the younger brother who comes home, but now the older brother became angry You kill the fattened calf for him. I mean, can can we not express a little bit of sympathy for the older brother? Can we not understand a little bit of his point? Maybe we can actually shake our heads and say, yeah, older brother's got a point there. Uh, I mean, the struggle is real. The struggle is real to keep performance Uh, and expectations, and duty, and obligation, because a lot of us, like, we've worked real hard to perform well, right? We've we've done our duty. We've fulfilled our obligations, right? I mean, like, we've said no to ourselves in order to try to, like, do all of these other things, but the world just doesn't seem to, to greet us back in the same way that we've performed for it, right? How many of us have felt that before? Like, I'm doing my part here, and so since I'm doing my part, why isn't the world, or maybe why isn't some gracious divine being maybe doing his part? And it's real easy to end up in that place, and that's, that's how to keep joy at a distance, Mosaic. I mean, if, if, if anything will kill joy, it's living with this kind of transactional mindset of how the universe works. That because I've put in this, I expect to get back this. Right? I've put seventy five cents, I expect a Coca-Cola back. But instead, like I've put the seventy-five cents in and what? I'm not getting a Coca-Cola back, but that person is and they didn't even put in seventy-five cents. And we see this happen around us, and like it's a joy killer. And I would imagine in some type of way that that mindset might be at work in, in your head or heart right now. It isn't mine. And I have to be, I mean, almost every day I have to just kind of pause and say, alright God, if I'm going to truly embody your kingdom of joy, I've, I've got to catch this kind of transactional nature of the universe that I've kind of concocted in my head. And in a lot of ways, that's how the world works around us, right? But this isn't how the kingdom works. This isn't how the kingdom works. Verse 31. 31. The father continues, my son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. You're always with me, son, and everything I have, it's yours. So, so right there, this father is inviting his older son out of this kind of transactional nature of the universe, saying, look, everything good, everything beautiful, the stuff that really matters matters. It's here available for you if you really want to embrace it, if you really want to discover it. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Mosaic, God's deep yearning is for each of us to discover the joy of life in his kingdom and that an unlimited supply of the joy that he provides is made available to us. Let me, let me have a sit with this for a minute. Mosaic, I believe that God cares far less about our performance, duty, obligation and sin management, and far more about our entrance into his joy. Most people have this idea that, that when this age ends, when this life ends, that when they have some type of interaction with whatever their idea of a divine being looks like, That kind of this judgment seat, which we do believe that God is the judge of the living and the dead, right? And so, but yet God's justice is also very much united with his love and his joy, and it's a restorative justice. So yes, justice will come, you know, kind of this encounter with, with this judge of the living and the dead will come. But Mosaic, I have a sense that God is not so much going to ask you like, hey, did you clean up your act? Well, let's see, you did this, you didn't do this. I get a sense that probably God is really going to want to know, hey, did you, did you live into the joy that I made available to you? Because if you really live into that joy, it begins to transform you from the inside out. Everything about your life begins to change, right? I mean, when you live with a deep, abiding sense of joy, you no longer have expectations from the world around you. You don't have to live with expectations of of people you're in relationship or organizations that you work with or the neighbors that you surround yourself with. There's this sense that God supplies me with this abundant joy that I'm just able to share with the world around despite my circumstances around me. This is what Jesus did with his life, right? I mean, you see Jesus continually, continually giving of himself but yet embodying this this beautiful sense of of abiding joy that, that his Father made available to him that's now available to us. So when I say I believe that God cares far more about our entrance into his joy, I say this because when we look at the Gospels, in particular the Gospel of John, there's these signs that the Gospel of John lays out for us. And these signs point us To who Jesus is and what God is doing. And the very first sign, the very first sign that Jesus brings is at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And look, you can't get around it. What Jesus does with this first sign is he helps a bunch of people celebrating a wedding who are probably slightly buzzed. He helps them maintain their buzz. There's no way getting around it. Now, I'm not saying therefore do whatever you want because there's a lot of us here who we've used alcohol in the wrong kind of ways and like God is doing a transformative work in us and that's a beautiful thing. So please don't misread me, but what I am saying is we need to pay attention to this sign because Jesus is doing specifically something through this sign showing how he has a a real longing that people experience a true abiding sense of joy and communal joy at that and just a celebration of what God is doing in our world, you know? Bringing people together, whether it's friendship, celebration, wedding, marriage, whatever it is, like God loves this type of thing. And so maybe a lot of us are familiar with this this first sign, but let's look at it. John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. And when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, as a classic non-assertive communicator would, uh, (laughs) they have no more wine. You know, okay. What do you want me to do with that, Mom? You know. <laughs> um, you gotta love Jesus' response. You know, woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. You just like you have to love the Jewish hutzpah that's going on here. You know, this Jewish mother. Come on, they have no more wine. What do you, Mom? What do you want me to do about it? Blah blah blah. You know. Um. And his mother then. So now she turns to the servants. Do whatever he tells you. Well, he didn't say he was gonna do anything. Come on, you know. But nearby, this is what I want us to pay attention to, nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. So these, these six stone jars are, are really used for purification. Um, Jews at this time lived with this mindset that because they were God's chosen people, um, called to represent him in the world, that, that you know, purity, we talked a little bit about this last week, right? That, that purity and like remaining clean, being separate from that which was unclean, sin management, like that very much became the focus of their existence. And so here's these, these large stone jars used for ceremonial washing, used for purifying your hands and your body before you would eat and before you would engage in religious services, Jesus is actually going to take these purification vessels that that really were like tied to duty and obligation and making sure that you did everything right, and Jesus is going to use them to keep the party going. Because Jesus, it, it seems, has far more interest in whether or not people can really live from a place of joy, but a place of joy that he's going to provide. Remember, this is the first sign that John is showing us. So Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water, so they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But who you've saved the best till now. <laughs> what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Mosaic, when Jesus transforms the purification water, these purifications, ceremonial washing vessels into wine of celebration. He is inviting you and I out of a transactional universe. He's inviting us out of performance, duty, obligation, and sin management and into the joy of what he's bringing. He's inviting us out of that sense of, okay, I have to do things for God because if I do things for God, then God will do things for me. If I do things for the world, then the world will do things for me. As long as I kind of get things right here, then things will you know, happen right here. He's inviting us out of that kind of kingdom. And he's inviting us into a kingdom that, that like, those, those boundaries and limits, they don't even exist. It's, it's totally other. I mean, there's just this unlimited, abundant amount of joy that can come flying out of nowhere. And sometimes it's lavished on people that you're like, oh, that person doesn't deserve that. But that's what we say when we're still living in a transactional universe. I deserve that. I've been doing this and this and this. Hasn't he seen the way that I've been slaving? Hasn't he seen the way that I've been paying attention to what, he, what I think he wants to do in my life? Right. But God's inviting us out of that, that way of seeing the universe in that kind of way. And instead, he wants to open our eyes and say, look, I have this joy that's made available to you that, man, like, like this joy, you're, you're able to, like, ride the buzz of this joy for a long time. And, and it's different than just a fleeting sense of happiness, but, like, it can sustain you and carry you throughout your day today and your week ahead of you, whatever you're facing. And some sometimes, sometimes it hits you in just these little ways, and then other times it might, like, just wash over you like a wave, But are we ready to receive it? And the only way we can receive it, Mosaic, is if we're willing to step out of that other way of interacting with the universe around us. I hope that we understand this too. Joy, you guys, joy is a person, and his name is Jesus. Joy is a person, and his name is Jesus. And in particular, here at Mosaic, Mosaic's rhythm of celebration, if, if you hang, out, hang around us long enough, you'll, you'll hear us talk about these rhythms. Here at Mosaic, we tend to be an, a, a non-programmatic kind of church. All right? we, don't, we don't center ourselves around a set of programs. What we do is we unleash ourselves to embody certain rhythms. Rhythms like listening. Listening for God. Listening to one another. Listening to our neighbors. Uh, sharing tables, Um, and and another one is, is celebration, celebrating just what God is doing in our world around us, joy that's made available to us. And so Mosaic's rhythm of celebration is a cultivation of feasting on Jesus, unlimited supply of joy, and sharing it with others. Now, in regards to those last two points, here's a crazy thing. Christians can't say that they have a handle on these things and so they're the ones who like ultimately like have joy in their hands and it's only our job to share it with others. Um we get in on what Jesus is doing, but Jesus is not just confined by us. This is why it's possible sometimes to like interact with the with communities that maybe don't bear the name of Jesus. But this is why it's possible even some communities, maybe even a lot of communities, do a better job of sharing joy among themselves and sharing joy with the world, even though they don't bear the name of Jesus, because Jesus isn't just contained in community of people who bear his name. I can remember as a kid sometimes, one of the the first things that I wrestled through, and I was always thinking things through in my head, but I can remember sometimes being a part of kind of religious Gatherings where, um, you know, people claimed the name of Jesus, but like there seemed to be little joy there. But then I would interact with other environments that didn't bear the name of Jesus, and like, man, these people like embody joy. And like, that was one of my earliest wrestles in my head and heart. It was like, how do I make sense of this? And in some ways, that was one of the things. That almost led me to kind of walk away from it all together. But what helped me understand is just because a community bears the name of Jesus doesn't mean that they contain where Jesus' joy breaks out. Because joy is a person, his name is Jesus, and Jesus is present everywhere. And Jesus can be present even in communities that don't specifically bear his name. And so, one of the beautiful ways that we get to experience joy mosaic is sometimes just by going and being a part of other environments around us. Hmm, that's a different way of thinking about church. So, church just isn't me inviting people to my things, but actually, one of the movements of God's people and being a part of Jesus' church is actually learning how to go to other environments and say, Jesus is somehow present here too. And maybe I can experience his joy here, too. Like, ooh, that, that starts to, like, blow your mind a little bit, but hopefully that helps you. Like, okay, well, you know, if, maybe if you have struggled with that like I struggled with that. You know, why does it seem like a lot of communities of Jesus just don't embody joy? But, man, I, I hope we do here at Mosaic, you guys. I hope that we're a community that, like, constantly is experiencing that joy. Mosaic, every time we gather to eat, drink, celebrate our ongoing journeys... We experience this soy, source of joy in a, in a tangible way. Um, so, so for instance, um, all right, I say we're unprogrammatic, but although these aren't programs, this Saturday night, this Saturday night, a group of guys are getting together because one person here and a couple well, a couple people here said, you know what, I just want to create an ongoing environment where guys can gather together and like we can just experience the joy of life together and, and realize that Jesus is like doing things in our lives. And so this Saturday night, guys, are getting together at the original Misties in Havelock. Seven-ish. Um, we got a back room, table all to ourselves. Um, come on out. If you want to be with other guys and just celebrate, like, this source of joy, Jesus, who will be present with us, come on out. Um, I know women have been getting together for a while at Mosaic, and once a month, they gather together and eat dinner together and, and just engage in life together and just celebrate Jesus, the source of joy, um, do that. If, if you can't make those environments, like cultivate those environments in other ways. Like, I, just, I encourage you like participate in those environments, but look to create those environments, Mosaic. This is what it means to be a kingdom of joy. So how will we respond? Uh, how will we respond? Where do we go from here? Let me, let me ask you a few questions as we get ready to, to end our time this morning. Um, are you going to choose to stay outside the party of joy? Let's go back to the story of the older brother. The father desperately wants him to come and join the party, right? To step out of the transactional way of acting with the world. The beautiful thing about Jesus' storytelling is it leaves us hanging. It leaves us with like, what comes next? Does he go in? Does the older brother go in? We don't know. Does does he stay out and pout? We don't know. Does he like go out and like smash his dad's corvette with a sledgehammer? We don't know. Yeah. Does he go in and like do the best dance moves that people have ever seen the older brother do? We don't know. Maybe he does. I don't know. But what will it be for you? Are, are you going to join? Are you going to join the party happening all around you, Mosaic? Like, are you? Are you? Or are you going to stay in that transactional way, you know, but I'm doing all of this, but the universe and God isn't meeting me back the same way. And I know, it's, it's a tough place to be, and I've been there before, I find myself there. Like, but I ask you, like, will you join the party? Will you join the party? Another question. Um, are we going to be people cultivating the celebration of joy? Remember, it was, it was the servants, right? The servants actually changed the, the purification vessels into the wine. So in a sense now, you and I are the servants, Mosaic. Right? Jesus is saying, look, all, all you got to do is like, touch the universe around you that's still living in all of this transactional way and, and touch those, those vessels and like fill it with the wine of joy that I provide. And are you? We get to be those people. So will we do it? Will we look for opportunities to do that? It's another question for us. Final question, will we discover the party of joy is always available to us? Remember what the father said to the older son. You are always with me and everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. So, so will we discover that this, this celebration of joy, that, that joy is a person, his name is Jesus, that as we feast on Jesus, that like this joy is ours, guys. And so that's why we can go back to the very beginning when Desmond Tutu said it's, it's literally because of our fragile, weak state, not despite it, that we actually have the possibility of joy working in us. Right? So whatever that brick wall is at platform nine and three quarters that's in front of you, go ahead, just walk right through it this week. Walk right through it and find yourself heading to Hogwarts. (laughs) Ah, where is Jesus' kingdom going to take me now? I remember, um, you know, and this is why you, you, you watch people who are in deep suffering, but sometimes people in deep suffering are sometimes the most you see a a, a joy at work in them. And I I still remember, it was the last few weeks of my mom's life, and she was, you know, 61, battling cancer, and the whole family gathered together, and she knew, she knew her time was coming to an end. But we all scheduled a week together where we could hang out. Um, And she had a deep, abiding sense of joy. Like, this is good. This is good. God's given me so much. And she knew, like, deep in her heart that the journey was really just beginning even though death was imminent. Because death is just another beginning. That's all it is. And so whatever whatever death you're facing, whatever brick wall you're facing, it's just it's just another beginning. And that's why joy is such a beautiful thing. So everything the Father has is ours, Mosaic. Right? Let's share it. Let's share it. Let's, let's touch the transactional world around us and, like, let's transform that, that water into wine of celebration. So last year, if you were here, we did these little things called um, spring celebrations. And spring celebrations were really just a charge that we put before you that said, look, the weather is starting to change. Like, people are feeling the need to gather and celebrate. Spring celebrations can look like a lot of things. It can look like a group of people getting together at a park. It can look like a group of people getting together on a front porch or a back patio or just getting out and doing some activity together, and you're opening up a space, and you're saying, I'm going to host this space, and maybe all I'm doing is just providing paper products, and I'm going to invite whoever wants to come and bring this with you and this with you and this with you, and whoever comes, we'll just come together and we'll celebrate. So here's what we want to invite you into. Like, w- would, you consider, would you consider being one of those servants who, who actually like filled the stone jars with water? Right. You, you actually transform what's happening around you. Would you consider hosting one of these environments? And would you, over the next couple of months, I don't care if it's this week or two months from now, would you let me know or send us an email at info at or call us or text us or whatever and just say, Hey, I just want, I'm just pulling people together. I don't care who comes, but can you, like, let this be known? You know, what we'll do is we'll announce it here on a Sunday morning, we'll put it in print, we'll put it out over social media, and just, you know, and whoever shows up, shows up. And so we just want to encourage you let's be about those types of things, Mosaic. Let's be about those types of things, being people who cultivate that kind of joy that Jesus makes available to us in unlimited amounts. So I want to invite our worship team to come back up. And as they come back up, Mosaic, um, here's my hope for us. um, That whatever seems to be a barrier for you right now um, to to experiencing a true abiding sense of joy, whatever it is, something's not happening in the way that you would like to see it happen. Um, I get it. it. It hurts. It's painful. It's hard. I know it is. It is. But would this journey forward this morning to these tables be your way of just like, I'm going to walk right through the brick wall at platform nine and three quarters. And I'm going to trust that Jesus is going to meet me there and provide me with a a deep abiding sense of joy. That it's all okay. It's all okay because none of us are alone in this. And we're we're doing this together. Hey, go easy on those strings. That was a moment when I was trying to make people feel it. Come on, man. <laughs> oh, that's good. Let me pray for us, Mosaic. God, thanks so much for this morning. And uh, yeah, thanks for the, the spring weather that we're tasting um, here in Lincoln this weekend. Man, what is what a beautiful thing that is. It's just a, a gift from you. And uh, God, I, I pray for each person here who um, in some way is is feeling the... It's feeling the sting that the older brother felt. God, I know I feel it in many ways. God, God help us to, to step out of that way of life um, to discover how to receive just the joy that you have made available to us in and in through your presence that is always with us. So, Jesus, we were thankful that as you gathered with your followers on that on that night before your death, that you took bread and you gave thanks and you broke it and you said, This is my body, which is for you. And you you poured into the cup and said, This cup represents the new covenant in my blood, which is for you, the forgiveness of sins. Drink it. Uh, so, God, we are we are loved. Uh, we are forgiven. We are provided with this abundant source of joy that Jesus brings. May we receive it, and then may we extend it into the world this week. We pray this in your name. Amen.